Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the studio and another episode of Vietnam Innovators. I've got a good friend of mine, Senpei Omichi. He is the CEO and founder of Ellis. Uh, you might be wondering what Ellis is as a startup, but they've raised some capital. They're going out to market. Uh, they've got some customers uh, and they're making a lot of noise about how to redo education, uh, making it more accessible, I guess you could say, for especially international students uh, going abroad to the US, but hopefully in future places in the future if I'm guessing correctly, yeah. but we'll let Sampe explain more himself. Uh, he is an entrepreneur mostly based in the US, but he's been raised and, and lived in uh, Vietnam and has firsthand experience with the challenges of studying abroad. So we'll hear from him. Welcome to the studio, Sampe. Thanks for having me. But before we go into the details, maybe you can explain a little bit about um, what does Ellis do? Gives your elevator pitch, and um, let's just start with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Ellis is an all-in-one solution for international students. Mm -hmm. um, it really stems from my personal experience moving to the U.S. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Vietnam mm -hmm. um, in District Seven. Okay. First seventeen years of my life, <clears throat> moved to Boston for college and faced a plethora of challenges. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing specific. It was just a bunch of small things that added up. Okay. So I can give a couple examples. Mm -hmm. um, one was getting a phone plan. Um, before I moved to the U.S., yeah. getting a bank account set up, building credit, getting a guarantor when I moved out for, mm. for uh, you know, after my first year of college. You know, not having a presence in the U.S. Um, from the start, mm. it's quite difficult. And there's no technology company or no company at all that was innovating on this kind of immigration experience. Mm. Um, and so that's what I set out to build. Okay. Um, a one-stop shop for international students. You come to LS, we'll provide you with all of the products and, and services you would need to assimilate into life in the U.S. Okay. And let's get a little context. You know, uh, here on Vietnam Innovators, we we showcase entrepreneurs or mm -hmm. business leaders that are building things for Vietnamese people or mm -hmm. for the market or somehow, um, you know, here in Vietnam innovating. Uh, I understand you guys got thousands of customers here. And you, of course, you mentioned you were born and raised here. Yeah. Maybe you can elaborate on um, what's the opportunity for the company here in a market like Vietnam? Like, I understand it to be I think the biggest source of students for America from Southeast Asia, correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. Like maybe you can size it up for our audience here. How big is that? You know, it sounds like a very niche problem. Uh -huh. It's actually quite big. Maybe you can size it up for us. Yeah. So there are about 400,000 international students that move to the U.S. every year. Every year. Okay. Um, the majority of that comes from China mm. and India. Okay. So China and India probably take up about... 300,000, okay. 280,000 of those students. Mm -hmm. um, and then it tapers off to kind of the other three main countries that, that need focusing is Saudi Arabia, Korea, and Vietnam. Wow. Okay. Um, and so Vietnam, um, there are probably currently about six, anywhere between 50 to 60,000 international students studying in the U.S. Um, as we speak. Mm. And obviously there's more abroad in places like Australia, the U.K., Canada. Right. So how many students from Vietnam are going overseas every year or are, are at one time? 20,000. Each year? Each year. And at any one time, it sounds like there's like almost 100,000 at that point. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So huge market. Huge and market. Uh, as you know, Vietnamese mm -hmm. people take their education very seriously. Yep. They're willing to invest and spend quite a bit on it. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned um, there's no companies innovating on the solution that you guys are providing. What is that solution? Because it, it sounds like, you know, the solutions today are just hiring a consultant. Yeah. You know, they sit down with you. They tell you they're going to do all these things yeah. in the background. They're working with lawyers. They're yeah. working with, you know, whoever, whatever needs to get done. Yeah. 
um, and it can be quite costly. So Mm -hmm. what is the innovation that Ellis is trying to uh, provide exactly? Yeah, so we have multiple products. So currently we have two products. Mm -hmm. Um, Our first product is Ellis Money, which is a neobank. So it's a fintech solution for Mm -hmm. international students. You can get a U.S. bank account um, with just something called an I-20 form that Mm -hmm. every international student receives and a passport. Compare that to, to the experience that I had was I had $5,000 of cash in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I flew over to the U.S., couldn't open a bank account online mm-hmm. because I didn't have a social security number. Right. I had to walk into a Bank of America, sign some papers, mm-hmm. scan my passport, and it took him two weeks to send me my debit card. Mm. And Whereas, you had to literally have cash in your I was, pocket. I like, had cash. I was. Okay. You can ask any international student, they face the same thing. Wow. Whereas with Ellis, what you could do is you can actually get a bank account up to three months before you arrive in the U.S., mm. um, and we issue you a virtual debit card immediately, and we subsidize all of your international trans- transfer fees. Mm-hmm. So parents could deposit, you know, what we see is anywhere between you know, five to fifteen thousand dollars into the student's bank account, um, and the students can start buying stuff on Amazon immediately. So solving that small kind of liquidity gap problem um, was phase one, um, and ideally the students stay with Ellis Money for mm-hmm. the time that for the duration that they're in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, our second product is Ellis Mobile. I couldn't get a phone plan when I was in the U.S. It took maybe like a couple days mm-hmm. to do so. And, you know, during those days, I want to call my parents. I have no signal. I have no Wi-Fi. Um, so for Ellis Money, uh, sorry, Ellis Mobile, it's extremely simple. You enter your Vietnamese address or Indian address or Korean address in our app. And we ship you a SIM card in two to three business days. Mm-hmm. In Vietnam, it's actually quicker. It's 24 hours. Okay. Um, and you have a U.S. phone plan immediately. Do you guys have SIM cards on the ready in your warehouses? We do. And all? Wow. We do. Okay. Um, warehouse oh. is a loose term. Okay. It's like <laughs> your apartment? <laughs> my apartment. Um, but yeah, we do. We have... Um, I forget how small SIM cards are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised okay. because... Um, so we ordered a shipment of 25,000 SIM cards. Uh-huh. Um, when, when, uh, in our, in our, to our U S office, mm. I was expecting it to be like, maybe like a table full. Mm-hmm. Um, and what showed up was two and a half pallets mm. worth of SIM cards. Yeah, and I didn't, yeah. really, and okay. I didn't account for kind of the packaging as well. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, right. anyways, that's a little side story, but essentially we, we ship you a SIM card and you have a U.S. phone plan and phone, uh, bank account basically immediately. So phase one of the company is build products to help students start their life in the mm-hmm. U.S. Phase two is what we're going to be transitioning to in 2023, 2024, is building products to help students live and live their life in the U.S. Mm. Um, so what that means, we have two products in the pipeline. One is the guarantor product that I mentioned earlier. The core problem there is that students in big cities like Boston and New York, mm-hmm. you need a guarantor for an apartment because you don't make income. Right. Um, what a lot of U.S. citizens can do is they can... Um, get a guarantor, which means that when they can't pay their rent, the guarantor is on the hook for it. Mm-hmm. Typically, this is your parent um, or a grandparent mm-hmm. um, that makes you know 40x the income of the rent. International students don't have that privilege because their parents don't have showable pay stubs in the U.S. Mm. Um, and so kind of our solution there is we'll be your guarantor, pay us a fee, we underwrite that risk. So amongst all these products, and there's more in the future, how do you make the money exactly? Is it um, you guys are selling like, packages, I guess you could say, like I'm a student and I want the full service of Ellis to help me with all these things. Break it down for us, the business model. We don't actually charge for the service. It's a la carte. You can Mm -hmm. use whatever you want. We have Mm -hmm. some students using just the phone plan. We have some students just using the bank account. For Ellis Mobile, we are getting wholesale rates from T-Mobile. So our our network is built on top of T-Mobile. Okay. Um, You know, they charge us a fee. We charge the students a fee, which is lower than the market rate. And we make that cut. Mm -hmm. For Ellis Money, 
Uh, we make money like all banks make money, mm-hmm. um, and that's in two ways. One is interest. Um, so all the deposits in um, our bank accounts, we mm-hmm. make interest on that. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot better since interest rates have been rising right, recently. Right. Um, the second way we make money, and it's our main source of revenue, is something called interchange fees. Um, and th- this is how all banks make money. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you were to go to Starbucks and spend $100, Starbucks actually only receives $98. Mm-hmm. Um, $2 is split between the issuing bank, um, which is us in this case, and then the card processing network, which is typically Visa or MasterCard. Um, in our case, we have a Visa card. And so we net out about 1.5% on, on every single transaction that's made on the cards. Um, and that's how that's how we make money. You know, it makes me wonder the name of the business, Ellis. It's like Ellis is like a person's name. So it's almost like you're... You're, you're working with a person to help you on this. Is that, is that the origination of the name? No, so there's, there's two originations of the name. Okay. Um, actually, there's one origination. There's uh, there's an island um, off the coast of New York called okay. Ellis, Ellis Island. Okay, yeah. Um, ah. And, you know, after World War II, Immigration, a lot right. of immigrants moved. Mm. Um, and, you know, Ellis Island was kind of the point where you would get all your documents. And mm. It was kind of the point of ingress right. into America, and kind of, mm. it was kind of an allusion to that. I see, I see. Um, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, I forgot my American history. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It is also the name of a person. Though, it is, so. it is, it is. Um, okay, cool. I mean, that's a lot of products. Yeah. Um, how, how big is your team? We are currently 16 people worldwide. That's incredible. So if, with 16 people, you're able to innovate on... Uh, the big picture is obviously to help with immigration, right? Yeah. Especially for students. But you're working on multiple businesses at once. A yeah. fintech solution, for mm-hmm. example, right? And mm-hmm. you have a team of 16 people. Yep. Um, let's talk about how how your team works and and all that. How do you center your 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 company goals around all this product innovation? Is it is it easy to stay focused despite having all these products? Maybe you can talk about that uh, opportunity slash challenge as an entrepreneur. I'm facing something similar myself. So. Yeah, it's a balance. The last twenty years of Silicon Valley, like the Idee Fix, has been focus on one thing and do it extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little overrated. Mm. And I think the next 20 years is going to be building a suite of products that integrate extremely well together to solve a larger problem for mm. a subset of users. Mm. I completely stole this from from a person called Parker Conrad, who's the CEO of Rippling. Yes, um, yeah. Zenefits as well. Zenefits yeah. as well. Um, he's building a what I think is a trillion dollar company mm. by employing the same tactic. Okay. How, how do I focus and how do I structure my team? Mm. Um, so we employ something called pod structures um, at Ellis. So, you know, engineers and designers don't work on a specific product. We have floating pods. Mm-hmm. So um, at any given point, we have two engineers and one designer working on a feature of that product. The product's already built. So now we're just you adding know, to it. Adding yeah. to it. That's, that's typically how it goes. Mm-hmm. People don't get bored. So a lot of what, what happens a lot in kind of like solo focused singular companies um, is engineers work on one problem for, yep. for a long time and okay. they get very bored of the problem. Mm. And so by having multiple products, you can actually hire really smart people who are intellectually curious, want to work on a broad range of, you know, like telecom and mm-hmm. fintech, mm. completely different, mm-hmm. right? Um, and eventually we're going to get into like visas and guarantors and mm. underwriting and all that stuff as well. Um, in terms of how I structure my team, that's kind of more on the engineering and product side. Um, on the higher level, there's basically two parts of the company. You've got to build the thing and sell the thing. Um, and so we have our product team, which is mostly based in the U.S. for purposes of collaboration, time zones, um, 
And I think uh, the communication barrier is, is lower. Mm-hmm. We do have one engineer in Georgia, not the state, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but he works really weird hours, so it, it works out. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we have our kind of distribution team, uh, growth, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that I think needs to be geolocated mm-hmm. um, to you know specifically understand the market. So we have two people in Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, three people, soon to be five in India, given that that's our biggest market, and then one person in Korea. Okay. Um, to employ, you know, nifty tactics to, right, to get right. our products to students. So my question for you is, you have this suite of products that it's like a one-stop shop kind mm-hmm. of thing, which I also believe in that general philosophy in mm-hmm. terms of business building, because people don't want to work with so many different solutions. Like as, as entrepreneurs are, are presented 10 different types of productivity solutions yeah. and each one does one small thing. And yeah. there's some that do a lot more. So I, I, I tend to gravitate towards that because mm-hmm. just tracking 10 different recurring payments is already a pain, right? Let alone 10 solutions that you're working with. So my question for you is, how do you do it well, each one though, right? Because, uh, you know, it sounds great that you have a suite and the ones that you're starting with are are essentials, Mm -hmm. right? And the ones, uh, the other, like Visa and Guarantor, those are, I see as more one-time things Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have the bank, which you use every day. Mm -hmm. Your phone is every day. The Visa and Guarantor, that's like once a year, maybe, Mm -hmm. like maybe even just once every four years. Mm -hmm. How do you guys do each one well? Or is your solution more like simplification? Kind of like instead of having all these like, you know, fancy, uh, you know, features and everything, do you focus on just the core stuff that makes the everyday very simple? Like what is... What's your take on that? That's really funny you mentioned that mm-hmm. because we basically have three core tenets at Ellis mm-hmm. that everyone has to memorize and adhere to. And the first one is simplicity, mm-hmm. right? We're working in a very complex industry. Um, you're already overwhelmed when you're moving to a new country. So simplicity has to be at the core of what we do. We're simplifying the immigration process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know trickles down into our product decisions, our engineering decisions, and mm-hmm. our design decisions as well. Um, to answer your question, how do we do the how do how do we do it well? We keep it simple. We're not innovating a lot on the products. These products is, exist in the world. We're just fine tuning it for mm. this specific market. Okay. Um, for example, the onboarding flow. We don't mm. require a social security number. We mm. require I twenty and passport. It's very specific. It's for very specific that group and tailored for our students. Oh wow! You know what we're actually innovating on? What Ellis is innovating on? What the what the you know core of it is is we're innovating on the journey, mm-hmm. um, not the products themselves. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we're most students study three, four, five years, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you continue with them after, or is the idea like you really just focus on on those? Because, like a bank, right? You mentioned um, you ideally they're banking for the entire time they're studying in the U.S. uh, or wherever they will be in the future. Um, Is there a future beyond that, or is it more kind of like they graduate and then you know maybe they stay in the U.S. and they go back home? What does that look like, or how are you guys even thinking about that? Yeah, obviously we haven't been around long enough to see a graduation rate. Um, (laughs) But my intuition here is that there will be a graduation rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally they they go on to, you know, know, whether they move away from the U.S. Mm -hmm. or or they do bigger and better things and have to get their, you know, other bank accounts or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kind of the, the mission is to help the students in their in, in, at the ingress of their immigration journey mm-hmm. and stay with them throughout the lifetime. Right. And that's that a long time still. already, four or five years. Yeah. Um, so that's, and you're getting a new cohort every year right. as well. Right. Right. Um, exactly. It's refreshing your correct. group, uh, your target market refreshes exactly. every year. And we know yeah. exactly how to target them in that refreshment. That's an interesting 
point you mentioned, um, here at Vietcetera, we focus on Gen Z millennials. Mm -hmm. And in Vietnam, there's 1.1, roughly, at least this year was, next year will change, I'm sure, 1.1 million new 18-year-olds every year Uh in Vietnam for basically the next decade or two. Mm -hmm. And that alone is such an exciting statistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for you, right? You mentioned you have thousands (laughs) of customers here, um, or whatever the number is now. And you're, I mean, not all 1 million obviously study abroad, something like 20,000, I think it was, right? So 2% of that group. But then within that 2%, can you get even 10% of them, right? 20%, right? Um, And I think it's it's compounding every year too. So awesome. Also that 2%. As the middle class grows, I should you should see that. Right. Grow that, as well. well, yes, yeah. That's a, that's another point yeah. to consider. Um, my next question for you, uh, Sampe, is more about the opportunity globally. Let's mm-hmm. let's step back a little bit. So we focused a little bit on Vietnam, what you're trying to do, the global market. You know, there was a study that was done recently. I, I have it here, and I sent it to you before, mm-hmm. so to give you a bit of a heads up. Yeah. But the Pew Research Center mentioned. That U.S. university enrollment from abroad, of course, COVID impacted mm-hmm. that, fell fifteen percent. Yeah. Um, what What's the the trend? Is it is education becoming more localized though, or is is it, do you think it'll continue to be globalized? Uh, will it go outside of the U.S. given macro conditions? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you can just comment on on the trends there and what your take on it that it, on that is. Yeah, that's a great question. So, with COVID, I believe it dropped fifteen. 15- percent mm-hmm. as you said 2020 to 2021 this year um the statistics by the USCIS um actually show that there's been a complete rebound mm-hmm. so it's gone back to 2019 rates okay now I can't speak for what the long-term macro environment looks like um but I don't think education abroad stops here it's just only because growing yeah. it's I think I think it grows um there's a there's a similar concerned um in the 2000s, um, if you actually look at international student trends, um, it actually flows with kind of the economic development of a country. Mm-hmm. So in the 1990s, um, <clears throat> the biggest source for international students in the U.S. was Japanese students. Mm-hmm. There are barely any Japanese students going there today. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest source today is Chinese students. I suspect that will decline decline okay. precipitously. Mm-hmm. Um but it doesn't mean, but but you also see other markets growing. So Vietnam is really, really growing. Cambodia is really growing. Mm. The sleeper is Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is sending a good amount of international students. Um, and you can actually see it with like, okay, a country starts to grow. Um, they start sending more students abroad. Mm. Um, so that trend is really interesting to see. Um, I don't think international student enrollments are going to go down globally. How about the diversification outside of the U.S.? People yeah. are, you know, here in Vietnam, um, Australia, Canada, um, even within Asia, mm-hmm. like Singapore, are becoming very, very popular. Yeah. I've, I've even met people thinking about going to Japan and mm-hmm. Thailand, which are also excellent. Yeah. Um, what's your take on ex-U.S. Yeah. kind of study abroad? Is that I, something you guys are thinking about? Yeah, so again, Canada is growing the fastest Mm -hmm. it's not a market we want to enter into anytime Mm -hmm. soon the reason for that is we're we're very u.s centric Mm -hmm. we want to build all of these products for students incoming into the u.s we believe that that's a big enough market to build a billion dollar company Mm -hmm. for example if we expand into the canada we would have to implement like integrate into the canadian banking system canadian Mm -hmm. telecom system it's building everything from scratch Mm -hmm. it's not taking the core competencies we already have and Mm -hmm. just like 
replicating that across. Right. Just the regulatory nightmares. Mm. We would have to repeat all of that in every mm-hmm. country that we go into. Mm. Um, I'm not ruling it out, but it's not even in like a thought of mine currently. Okay, got it. So let's zoom in on the 400,000 students serving the U.S. every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many of them will become, uh, you know, partnering with Ellis? Uh, in the years to come, maybe spell that out for us. You mentioned a billion dollar company, obviously, you know, that's a big dream. Yeah. Um, how, how many of those students do you need to get to, to become that level, you think? Well, if we capture, you know, anywhere around 5% of the market every year, okay. compounded for four years, I believe, mm-hmm. um, that's a billion dollar company. Let's talk about your tactics for yeah. getting those 5%. Yeah. You're doing your everything from paid acquisition, mm-hmm. influencer marketing, are you a marketing expert? Do you have anyone on your team? And you're not, it sounds like you're yeah. more of a product builder. Yeah. How do you guys look at marketing for this kind of group of students? What are you guys doing for that? Yeah, so our paid channels, social media, that's actually mm-hmm. such a small part of our of our strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, the strategy that's worked best for us is partnering with IECs, so International Educational Consultants. Okay. There's plenty of them in Vietnam. Mm. They basically help, they're like private college counselors that help students get into school in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with these folks, we say, hey, you know, your students are going to need bank accounts, your students are going to need phone plans. Um, it would be great if you can offer it to them. So these these counselors, they're more focused on the education side, academic, getting Correct. them into the schools. Correct. But this whole immigration stuff, they're like, oh my God, we don't want to do any of this. Can yep. someone help us? And they can't, they're not going to build a fintech company. Okay, right. 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 Um, and so, you know, we, they pass the baton to us. Mm. You know, we train them. We we train the IECs on how to how to talk about Ellis mm. to their students, um, and that's what most of our folks in in Vietnam, Korea, and India are doing. Mm. Um, constantly visiting these offices, building okay. relationships with these counselors, building mm-hmm. relationships with students, mm-hmm. um, and then we also see a lot of um, user acquisition come through just referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, so people referring their friends. Mm. But do you have a referral scheme for that, or is it just more word of mouth? Like, hey, check it out. And it's then... it's word of mouth. There's okay. easy way to share it through the app. Currently, mm-hmm. we don't have any monetary incentive mm-hmm. for sharing, mm-hmm. but that's something we're working on. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Great. <laughs> do you think Ellis solves all all the problems that international students have? And if not, uh, what are the the problems that you would like to solve in the future? Yeah. So currently we solve, um, you know, how to start your life in the U.S., Mm -hmm. right? Um, As I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, phase two of the company, we're going to solve kind of the guarantor piece. Mm. How do you get an apartment um, without going through the headache of getting a guarantor? Um, And then, you know, kind of the one-stop shop for, for immigration services. So helping you with... Uh, maintaining your F1 visa, um, you know, helping you apply for CBT, which mm. is, you know, you get an internship. You have to get this authorization from your school called CBT to to do that. Mm. Um, OPT, which is, you know, you graduate, you get a job, um, you're able to stay in the U.S. anywhere between one to three years. How do you do that paperwork? The product after that we're thinking about is non-residence taxes. Um, non-residents actually can't use a modern solution like Sprint Tax. Mm. They have to go through something called Glacier Tax. I okay. highly recommend you check out the website because mm-hmm. it's a web one website. It's not mobile compatible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of solving those issues. Now, at a higher level, there are kind of cultural issues that the international students face, mm-hmm. like assimilating into the U.S. What are the rules of American football? Mm-hmm. Right. No one taught me that. Okay. Um, and yeah. so we, we actually have a uh, section on our website um, called Ellis Guide where we mm-hmm. just write you know content. Mm-hmm. Um specifically for assimilating into the U.S. Interesting. Um, 
and we're, we're hoping that takes off. The viewership is still pretty low, but I, I think there's some really good stuff in there. Mm. Oh, amazing. Okay. And it's, is it localized or is it all in English? It's all in English. It's all in English. Yeah. Okay. You guys raised money during a very good time. Yeah. Very good timing. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, moving forward, it's not going to be as easy. Yep. Um, are you guys sustainable at the moment? What's the, what's the strategy for continuity of the business? Are you focused on continued growth and product innovation? You're going to need more cash for that. Are you focused more on building out a, a business that can stand on its own, at least in the short term or even long term? What does that look like for, for you? What are you thinking as an entrepreneur in this climate? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take you back to kind of where my psyche was uh, end of last summer. Talking to a lot of my founder friends, mm-hmm. there was an inkling across the board that you know venture capital was going to dry up. We still had a good amount of money, 16 plus months run, runway. Mm-hmm. But I was highly suggested that, hey, if you're going to do your seed run, you should do it now. Mm-hmm. So I went out to market. Um, we raised a you know decently sized um, seed round, which gave us a good amount of money to, mm-hmm. to sustain ourselves. Um, and then I worked backwards to see, hey, we're not optimizing for 3x growth anymore. We're optimizing for 2x growth and trying to get to profitability. Mm. Um, and so, you know, at this current rate, um, I'm hoping by this summer, so summer of 2023, we'll be cash flow positive. Mm. Um, and by then, you know, destiny is in our hands. We never have to raise money again. You guys are a fairly cyclical business too, though. You Correct. have to go through periods of winter and Correct. then you got to be at your top of the game during Correct. the summer, that kind of thing. Correct. Okay. How, how do you guys prepare for that? Do you do, you, do you seasonal? I mean, you're only 16 staff, but like, yeah. is the plan to do seasonal staffing? Is it, is it meant to be like, what does that even look like? I don't, I don't, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, we have to, we have to plan for it well in advance, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is a huge positive when it comes to like marketing, because mm. there's a clear schedule for mm. it. A lot of our work is actually done in the summer months. So okay. May, Operational. June, July, yeah. Um, and then the other months, like October, November is extremely quiet. Mm. Currently, we're having a huge influx of students because mm-hmm. the winter semester. Right. So when I say summer of next year, mm-hmm. we want to be profitable, mm. it's actually fall. So mm. after after that influx of students comes okay. yep. um, in September. Okay. Do, have you had any challenges or setbacks in your your journey, especially after raising money? Uh, I'll share one of mine just mm-hmm. to paint a picture for you. Like uh, we we raised a sizable amount last summer, mm-hmm. which was at the peak of COVID lockdown in Vietnam. We got mm-hmm. quite lucky, actually. We're mostly digital business, so we were able to withstand that. Um, suffered a bit on the revenue side, but you know when you take in all this cash, you're tempted to spend it to, mm-hmm. to grow, right? Um, that part we didn't do as diligently as we should have, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that capital is so easy to raise you can just go more uh we like you around the same time decided to switch gears instead of going for three or a huge multiple going for a little bit lower just trying to be sustainable hasn't been an easy journey have you had similar challenges or setbacks at at ellis in 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 the last year um as you've uh, gone down this journey yeah absolutely this takes me back to to kind of our our distribution strategy about Mm -hmm working with, with IECs and consultants mm-hmm. um, in different regions. Um, our initial strategy was a spring prey. That was, mm-hmm. That's kind of literally the best way to put it. Okay. We hired one person in, I believe, 10 regions. We had a person in Saudi Arabia. We had someone in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We had someone in Vietnam. We had someone in Korea. We had someone in India, somewhere in Eastern Europe, um, and one person in Brazil. That did not work. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why did it not work? Um, because... 
you know, what I fail to realize is, is each market has their own little nuances. So you're, it's almost like you're going to 10 different markets too quickly. And you're like, I can't keep track of anything anymore. Yeah, right? I, just, I just don't know. Right. Um, it just didn't, it's like, it oh, yeah, no we sense. got some guy in Brazil. What's exactly, he doing? Like, exactly. In, in hindsight, it makes no sense. And it's, it sounds absolutely, absolutely dumb. OK. But at the moment, I was like, this sounds right. Um, <laughs> we had a person in China. Too. We had two people in China. Wow. So um, what, what does the team look like now? Where, where are your focus markets? Yeah, so we, we realized quickly that just that wasn't the way to go. Um, and so strategically, I had to shift the company. Hey, we have to focus in on three main regions that we understand the best mm. and where most of the students are coming from anyways. Um, India, Vietnam, and Korea. Mm. Those are the only three markets we focus on today. Um, and do you we, have customers, though, from other places, though, we organically? Do. We do. Okay. We, we do organically. Mm. Um, actually, a lot from, like, Europe. Mm. Um, students moving to the U.S. Um, for D1 sports. Mm. Like we, we get a lot of those from, from Europe, okay. um, especially soccer. Mm. But, you know, going back to your question about challenges I faced, um, as, as a young founder, like letting go of seven people, mm. um, you know, who their families relied on it, that what, was, that was were extremely you, tough. Do you feel like you were a bit delusional? You mentioned like, yeah, oh, this sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Was it because you're in the cash the cash for the, for the company was infused? You, you got to grow, let's do it. And like... Like walk us through, was it just a simple like, oh, we made a mistake or was there actually a bigger picture that you learned from that experience? At the end of the day, it was like we had a lot of cash. Employees in these regions um, were, you know, a lot cheaper than those in the U.S. Mm. And so kind of the risk benefit analysis in my head was, OK, it's going to be a thousand to three thousand dollars a month per region. Mm. Let's just run the experiment. Mm. Um, we ran the experiment, you know, ex post facto, would I have done it again? I don't know. Mm. Um, but we, we, what we did learn is like what regions we understand and what regions we can actually market to students. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cost of that was people's jobs. Mm-hmm. So um, that, was a, that was a big learning experience for mm-hmm. me. So you got three markets, you got a team, small but nimble team. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a picture of what the company is now. How much revenue you guys are doing, if you could share, mm-hmm. um, how many customers you guys are serving, yep. what's that growth? Uh, give us that snapshot. Yeah, so we have uh, 16 people globally, um, eight in the US, uh, three, and then soon to be five um, in India, mm-hmm. two in Vietnam, one in Korea, uh, and one in Georgia. And in terms of revenue, we're approaching one million of ARR mm-hmm. um, in, in the coming months. And then for users, we're in the tens of thousands. Okay. And what, what products are the most popular? Is it the ones that are kind of straightforward, like Alice, you know, mobile? Is it the banking side? Is it, are they, is it everything? Yeah. yeah. No. So what we see is out of our two products, we see people testing Alice mobile first. It's kind of no brainer. It's kind of a no brainer. Yep. Pretty low, low weight risk. Yep. Low, <laughs> low risk. You're not depositing tens of thousands of dollars in, in, a, in a bank account that you, you, you barely know. Right, right, right. Um, but once they feel how smooth the experience is and mm. how we understand you as a customer, mm-hmm. we see them trying out the bank account, so mm-hmm. depositing fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. um, and then we start to see them becoming a recurring user. Of, well, let's talk about the, the banking side. I mean, yeah. Ellis Money. Yep. Ellis, you know, if someone were to search it online, they're like, "Oh, this company raised five million dollars. Why should I trust them?" Yeah. You know, like walk us through the customer journey right now of people adopting. I mean, obviously, start with mobile. They go there. Yep. Okay, good. Then you know, but what if what if they just want a bank account? Like, yeah. what's their journey look like at the moment? Yeah, so from start to finish, again, our main channels are, are the IC. So what that looks mm. like is, you know, you have a counselor that you've trusted for okay. four plus years. Right, right, um, right. Recommending you so this product. So you're very product. dependent on um, them to channel that. Yeah, I mean, okay. like, 
Vietnamese parents depend their lives on these people. They mm. like I have friends who used these IECs and five years later their parents are still grabbing lunch with the counselors. Wow. And so these are, you know, highly personal relationships. And so if we can win over the consultants, mm. they can win over the students. Mm. Um that's that's one avenue. Mm. Another avenue that we're we're exploring and we're actually testing it out with this winter cohort is it's less common in Vietnam, but in Vietnam people don't get student loans to go to the US. Okay. In India, that's extremely common. So mm. students would take out loans to, to do their master's or, or undergrad in, in the U.S. Um, and we've, there's basically three main loan providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've partner up, we partnered up with one of them to be the de facto bank account. So student gets accepted for a student loan. They need to deposit money in some bank account. That gap is extremely painful for the company mm. because that's time where they could evaluate their options that's time that they're not generating interest on the money. Mm-hmm. And so we partnered with them and say, hey, we can, have an, we, ha- we can have an integration where students can have a bank account immediately, you can deposit the money in. So that's an, another source of user acquisition for us mm. where the loan providers are using us as a de facto bank account. Um, the students get access to the bank account and then, then they just start using it. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So you've got your sales ch- channels kind of set. Um, the company's growing. Mm-hmm. Things are going in a good direction. Yeah. Wish the best for Ellis. I appreciate it. Um, are you guys hiring? I always like to ask that at the end. Um, yeah, we are always hiring engineers. Mm-hmm. Engineers, uh, yeah. Yep. So we're always looking for. How, how about in Vietnam? Have you considered hiring talent here for for that part of the business? Uh, it's something on my mind. Mm. Um, oh, time zone thing. That's time a zone thing is is, okay. is a little rough. Mm. Um, but I'm transitioning the company to work more asynchronously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's possible we hire non-distribution talent in Vietnam mm. in the coming months. Got it. Um, there is a freelance designer in Vietnam that I'm currently working with, mm. um, and we're just going to fill out the water okay. with him. And last question. You yeah. obviously know a lot about education. You've mm-hmm. experienced that firsthand. Yeah. You're building an, an education business with you know, a fintech solution, among other things, yeah. um, as part of that. Um, I always like to ask my guests, who would you like to see on this show. You know, this show is all about sharing knowledge, uh-huh. uh, getting insights about industries and people and companies. Is there a person or a company or an industry that you'd like to see on this show? For example, one uh-huh. of my guests was like, I would really like to learn about the airline industry. Mm. He worked in the hospitality industry and mm-hmm. are very close partners, of course, but he didn't know anything about the airline industry. Mm-hmm. We've got a guest from Bamboo Airways coming on yeah. soon. So uh, same question to you, Sampei. would yeah. love to hear for you to better understand the market here, to do your job better, who would you like to to hear from? Again, doesn't need a specific name, but it's yeah. going to be an industry even. Yeah. yeah. So there's an, there's an industry that I'm currently exploring, mm-hmm. um, evaluating where, whether Ellis should get into the business. Um, and it's the EB-5 business. EB-5. EB-5 business. Could you explain what that is? I've never yeah. Heard of. So there's something, there's something called the EB-5 visa in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially what it is is if you invest capital into a U.S. enterprise and it creates 10 jobs, mm. you get a visa okay. and your kids get a visa. Mm. So you actually see thousands of Vietnamese families employing this tactic to get U.S. citizenship. And this is every year? This is every year. Okay. Now, what, the most interesting part is where does that money go? Mm. Um, how it's typically structured, as I understand it, is there is a mezzanine debt fund that this goes into. So let's mm. say you, you do 100 families, 100 investors. There's a $100 million pool of capital that's basically the cost of capital is zero because yep. you're not paying these families anything. Their, mm. reward, their reward is the visa. 
Um, and it's typically poured into real estate projects in the US. So if you're familiar with Hudson Yards mm. in New York, mm -hmm. that was all EB-5 money. Wow. Chinese EB-5 money. Chinese. Chinese EB-5. Okay. Money. Yep. Mm. And so um, there are a bunch of EB-5 companies in Vietnam that do this. And then they partner with real estate companies mm. in, in the US to build these like massive projects. Mm. And the idea is that there's a payback period, typically five years. Um, they recoup their investment in five years. You get your million dollars of capital back and you get a visa. That's how, that's how it's structured. Um, I want to learn more about that industry. Mm. Um, and so maybe potentially getting um, a top EB-5 lawyer in Vietnam mm. to come on the show. That'd be extremely interesting. Okay. Because they're dealing with, you know, very high net worth families in Vietnam yeah, yeah, yeah. and getting them visas. And they're specialist the lawyers and teams Correct. that just do that specifically. Correct. Okay. Correct. Interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and you guys are interested in getting into the space, it sounds it's, like? It's something I'm excited It's very niche. It's very niche. Yeah, very niche. Okay. Um, but I think very profitable. Mm. Okay. We'll see. Interesting. Yep. Well, there you guys go. If you're an EB-5 lawyer or uh, a team or a company interested in, or know a lot about that space, please reach out. Mm -hmm. Sampei, thank you for joining the show. Uh, for our followers of Vietnam Innovators, again, we've got Sampei Omichi. He's the, the founder and CEO of Ellis, uh, ed tech company, but they've got a suite of solutions all around this issue of immigrating to the U.S. as a student. Check them out. Link's going to be in the description. Sampei, thank you so much for joining today's show and uh, best of luck to you and your team. Thanks for having me, Hal. See you guys next time. Bye. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. So don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content.